morning, MRCC. Yes, there's something when the body of Christ comes together to lift up our praises to Him. His presence is here. Let's thank Him for His love today. Lord, we offer you our whole heart to praise you, Lord, before I come, before I ever cry. You answer me from where the thunder hides. Yes, Lord, cannot run. His heart I'm tethered to Cause he's pursuing us With every step Oh, I collide with you Pursuing you, oh, Lord, yeah Like a tidal wave Crashing over me Rushing in to meet me here Your love is fierce Like a hurricane That I can't through the atmosphere Your love is fierce Amen You cannot fail The only thing I found Is through it all You never let me down Oh no No you don't hold back Relentless in pursuit Amen At every turn I come face to face with you Rushing over me, rushing it to meet me here. Your love is fierce, yeah. like a hurricane that I can't escape. Tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce. Yes, nothing can compare to your love, Lord. This it's right. You chase me down, you seek me out, Lord. Oh, how could I be lost when you have called me found? Amen. Yes, you chase me down, yeah. you seek me out, Lord. Oh, how could I be lost when you have called me found? Yes, you chase me, you chase me down, you seek me out. Sing of his love, church. Yeah. Like a tidal wave, crashing over me, rushing into me. Church. Oh, let's worship, worship, 
Well, let's encounter more of you, God, here in this moment. There is a light that burns in the darkness. Amen. There is a hope that washes the fear away. Yes, there is. There is a peace that settles around us. It's your love. It is your love that sets our hearts in place. So we came to do, God, to surrender to you. Father, we're on our knees with every heartbeat we bring you this offering, Lord. Lord, come and fill this place. Father, we're crying out. Spirit, we need you now. Glorious love surrounds us. Lord, come and fill this place. There is a king who reigns in victory. Hallelujah. Yes, he reigns. There is a mercy strong enough to save. We feel rising up from the ashes. Yeah. We declare this in this place. There is love.
to offer to freely a Savior. So cross is our victory. Jesus is naked. Let's grasp the fullness of your grace, Lord. Yes, I've tried so hard to see it. Took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me. Jesus, Jesus has given me. 
by the cross, blood conquers it all. Yeah. Cause on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering.
thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you for leading us through this long wilderness. As you said at the beginning, not to it, but through it, Lord. We thank you for your grace that has healed so many in this time of sickness, God. We thank you for the power and protection of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the wisdom that you give men to develop medicines, God. We praise you for your keeping in this season. And God, we think of those who have lost loved ones, God, and we pray that you would carry their grief, that you would sustain them, God, in the way that only you can. And God, as a people, we pray that you would cause us to humble ourselves to learn from this wilderness to walk in your ways as a land, as a nation. God, we pray for that. We thank you for your presence here in this moment this morning. We thank you for the liberty that you give us. Church, let us pray together like Jesus taught us to. That same eternal, endless prayer. Let us pray as a family. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, it's beautiful this morning. I forgot how ugly some of us are. But it's a good ugly, amen? Would you take a moment, turn and say hello to someone, greet them, make them feel welcome here at church.
What is the power of a book? For some, it's an escape. For others, it's information. For us, it's truth, the foundation of our faith. It changes who we are to the very core. It confirms our identity and reminds us we are loved, that we have worth, that we may be forgiven. That's the power of this book. It's a message that can give someone life. But there are people all across the world who've never held a Bible in their hands, some who don't even know it exists. But they need to. And with your help, they can. Because if we have nothing else but the Word of God, we have everything. We lack nothing. That's the power of the Bible. It offers eternal life. Join us in bringing the source of truth to the world. Hey, that's really cool. Uh, good morning. I'm Pastor Darius, one of the pastors here at uh, MRCC. And our brother Brian is going to tell us a little bit about uh, the video we just saw and what the Gideon ministry does. Thank you. Welcome. I'm Brian Harden, and it's just great to be here with you. I just want to share something personally. I, I was very lucky last week. I got my second COVID shot, and it was very painless, and I'm really doing well. So uh, I'm just really blessed for that. But a uh, little bit about the Gideons. Uh, as you know, we're really about reaching the world. As mentioned in the video, there's about 7.7 .7 billion people in the world, and we conservatively estimate that probably 3 billion have never heard the name of Jesus, at least in their own language. So that's what we're all about. And I had the pleasure of about a year ago of going to San Salvador with other nine other international Gideons where we went to go there. And we went and visited uh, 89 schools, 10 universities, and eight hospitals where we actually gave our testimonies and shared God's word with that class. We actually reached 1.4% of the population directly, let alone their family members. And we gave them a copy of God's word. 80,000 copies of the Word of God. So, The other thing that we do is we have a Bible app. And if you go at the table back there, we can show you how to get to it. And that Bible app can go on any smartphone. And you can imagine around the world, most people have smartphones. It's in over 1,330 languages today. So, And it actually it can read to them. So when I go over to overseas, I can read that to them. So one of the most effective things that we do is we do share the Word of God. And that's what we do as Gideons. And we really believe Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper the thing for which I sent it. And that's an unconditional promise. So that's why we do what we do. So last week, as Gideons, in spite of all the things that are going on, we gave out over one million copies of God's word in over 107 languages. You could say we're the largest missionary organization in the world. We actually have Gideon groups in over 200 countries of the world. And so it's really something wonderful. So our ministry is to reach men, women, boys, and girls to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we exist for. And it really it gets to me. I enjoy working with kids a lot, and you see me a lot in there. So I like to do that too. So that's what we do. We work in, with the churches, and we share our testimonies. And that's one of the things as Gideons. You'll see at the table, I actually have in my pocket, I carry with me 
I should have got it out earlier, is this. Anytime I run into somebody, whether it's uh, someone servicing something at my house or whatever, I run into somebody at the store, I share the saving knowledge of God. And you can't believe how many people need this right now. In the front, there's a, uh, a help section, so you can read about that. In the back, sometimes uh, there's people that really want to know and get saved today. So it's something just wonderful that we work with. One of the things that we also do is we want to work with the high schools. And so we actually have life books that we can give to students that they can take and study during their, their time. So for about $1.40 apiece, we can print, ship, and personally place a New Testament anywhere in the world. And 100% of that cost that people donate goes to printing the word. So when we contribute, we are, you are working to save people to the saving knowledge of our Christ. So 87% of the scriptures we distribute are distributed in other countries. But 78% of that, just the flip side, is done because of people like you that help us uh, give that money. So in closing, I wanted to ask you that you continue to pray for us as Gideons. And I personally would ask for a prayer this week because a team from all across the state is coming together to the Tri-Cities area where we're going to be reaching schools, hotels, and hospitals and sharing the word of God with our testimonies. So please pray for us. And if you do, again, if you want more information in the back, but again, I want to thank our pastor for him allowing me some time up on stage and you as a congregation because we're working side by side to save people in our community. Thank you. I love you. Brian, uh, Brian regularly, uh, f uh, for no salary, no pay, uh, is part of our staff in our office at Mount Rainier Christian Center. And uh, it, it's, it really is cool. The little glimpse you get to see of our brother Brian uh, up here doing this is just a tiny, tiny glimpse of all of what you would expect Brian is like in the office, which is, is hilarious and amazing and good. And we love Brian. Uh, really quick, man, can we just celebrate for a second that we get to be at church together this morning? Uh, just, isn't that cool? This is cool. Um, with so many people at church this morning and all the cool songs we sang and some of those old songs we sang, I'm from the South, so the only thing that would make it more like at home would be some chicken and biscuits for me this morning. So it just feels good. In all seriousness, it, it feels it feels so good to be a family this morning. There's a couple things that we want to talk about really quick. Um, one is this, is uh, I want to remind you that Sisters of Strength, our women's ministry get-togethers tomorrow night. So uh, there's more information for that on the website. But if you're a lady, uh, we'd really love for you to come out for that tomorrow night. Uh, the second thing is this, uh, please note that the location, not the location, but the address of our church is changing. The location will stay the same. But because we're annexed into the city, which is really, really cool, uh, we have to change our address. Apparently, technically, this is called Osceola Street. Did anybody know that? Us neither. So um, when you're in this, when you're in the city, it's called Osceola Street. Apparently, so that's so exciting, though. Um, but we'll we'll have to change on everything. And if you're mailing something to the church, eventually you'll have to change that. So uh, anyway, that is our new address. Something that was really cool, this is a lot, the last thing really I want to talk about, is that next week we get to celebrate Jesus and celebrate the work that God's done in people's lives through water baptism. Oh, man. It is going to be so phenomenal. You can still register. You can register online. 
Uh, we would love to get your registration today so that we can be ready to baptize you. But man, if you know somebody who misses that uh, and, and they need to register later in the week, we're not, we're not going to shove people off. Uh, please register by today out in the lobby at the help desk, the information desk, or online. That'd be awesome. But man, if you know somebody or if you want to say to tell everybody that you said yes to Jesus, we want to celebrate that with you because Jesus wants to celebrate that with you. The same way that God celebrated Jesus' baptism. It's a really cool thing. So anyway, uh, if you want to do that, if you feel comfortable doing that, we're excited about doing that next week. Uh, before we're done here, uh, I just want to remind you that it, there's a Connect card that's in your seat in the pocket in front of you. And um, if you're interested in getting more involved, there's been so many new people that have become a part of Mountaineer Christian Center during this crazy season. And if you're interested in getting more involved at Mount Rainier Christian Center, you can always join a group or join a ministry team. And that Connect card in your pocket there in front of your seat is a great way to do that. So we're excited in this new season about seeing more people get involved with what God's doing in our family. So anyway, get your Bible out. Go to First Thessalonians. We have a message. Thank you, Darius, and thank you, Brian, for sharing with us. MRCC has been committed to Gideon's for a long time. We give every year to Gideon's as a church, uh, and it's a great ministry to get involved in. Talk about where the rubber meets the road. Uh, that's what Gideon's is all about. So Brian will be out there in the guest center uh, after service. You can connect with him, find out what uh, that's all about. If you're unaware, good stuff. Um, I, I do want to thank uh, us for a couple of things this morning before we open the word. One is that uh, behind the scenes, once again, church, uh, in this last week, you, we as a family, were able to minister to two other churches in need. One church is in Chewila, up in the northern part of the state of Washington, and they suffered uh, during storms so much damage to their church building that their siding was off, and they had, uh, you know, holes in their walls. They had windows broken, and it was a small church that had no ability to uh, raise the money to make those repairs. So this week, MRCC stepped up and made those repairs for them. So you know, hallelujah, that's good stuff. Yep, we do that all the time. That's why we give. And then another church uh, in the Canadian Pentecostal Assemblies just up in Surrey, B.C. this week, uh, we provided them audio and visual equipment so that they can begin to, uh, to worship on a screen uh, together like most of the rest of the world has been doing since the late 1980s. So uh, it was a good thing. It's a good, no, but in all seriousness, uh, we were able to bless them as a church plant uh, in, in what they're doing and in their ministry. And that kind of stuff is cool. And it happens all the time because, uh, because we are so generous as a church body. So neat stuff. Uh, your, your church board of deacons makes those decisions uh, and just great stuff, good stuff. Um, I also want to just share a quick testimony that happened to me this week. And this is especially for everybody who's joining us online this morning. Um, three times this week, three times, I don't know why it all happened this week, but it did. Three times I walked into businesses in our community and the person who was behind the counter said, oh, hi, Pastor Greg. And I have to tell you, my world is that often that happens, and I don't know who that person is, okay, just because there's a lot of us sometimes, and, uh, but all three of these people uh, said, oh, hey, we've been joining you online for the last year. We just love, you're our church, you know, we, we've never actually been there, but you're our church. We weren't sure you were actually a physical person, but now we, we know that you are, but yeah. You know, but it was cool. It was cool. And, and I say that for this reason, gang. God, even through this difficult season, is at work. Amen? God's at work, even in this difficult season, through our online gatherings, through lots and lots of different things. So good stuff. Uh, before we open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter.
chapter 5. I am pretty excited about our next teaching series. Just want to give you a heads up about this. This will start right after Memorial Day weekend, and it's called The Magnificent Seven. How's that for a good title, all right? <laughs> Getting to know God's gritty prophets. You guys, we are going to dive in the deep end of the pool. We're going to introduce you to some of the Old Testament, what are called the minor prophets. Many people ha- have no familiarity with all. People like Habakkuk and Hosea, people like uh, Obadiah and Zechariah and Malachi. We're going to deep dive with the Old Testament minor prophets right after Memorial Day weekend. So very much looking forward to that cool stuff. I, I do want to just say, uh, wave, turn, turn everybody because this will drive him nuts. And look at the guy sitting on the seat right back there by the sound booth. Everybody look at him. That's Jim Lund, who was part of our church staff for a long time. They're welcoming. I made you turn and look because he's afraid to sit up front with his wife, Chris. Uh, so we're giving, him, no, we're giving him a hard time. But it's good to see the Lunds this weekend. It's good to have them with us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This morning, church, we're going to finish our journey through 1 Thessalonians uh, together. We've been on that all spring. Uh, and remember that what we said is it's important that as we grow up in our Christian faith, that we begin to take God's word on its own terms. That instead of saying, hey, God, I need a verse, we start saying, hey, Lord, I want to listen to everything you have to say in a systematic way, like a grown-up, like an adult. That's how we mature in our Christian faith. And it's God's desire that we would move to the point where we take his word on its terms. And so here at MRCC, we do topical series like we're going to do right after the Memorial Day. But then we also do what are called expository series where we go verse by verse. We've been doing that in First Thessalonians. And this morning, we're finishing, beginning with verse 12 down through the end of First Thessalonians there. And as we get started this morning, let me ask you this. What is it that you are most afraid of? All of us have stuff that we just rather live without. For some people, like like my son, it's spiders. He just has a problem with spiders. Some people have a problem with snakes. Some people have a problem with sharks. There was a time in my teenage life when I developed a problem with sharks, it had to do with a certain movie that maybe you're familiar with. But when I, yeah, much of the nation developed a problem with sharks at that time. But then there was a time in my life when I was afraid of being physically weak. I, you know, call that neurotic, maybe it is, but that was what I was dealing with at that point in my life. And then I thought the worst thing that could happen to me would be to, to fail at something really important, to, to not be able to step up to the moment. And I remember living in that fear. Now, now that I'm older, I realize that the very worst thing that could possibly happen to me would be to be forced to watch any of the Transformers movies. That would be, that would be like death. I actually, my son dragged me in one of those a few years ago, and I literally fell asleep in the auditorium. I, I, I was snoring through part of the movie, which, of course, thrilled him to say, hey, that's my dad. But uh, anyway, for many people, for many people, their worst fear is being ridiculed in public or being embarrassed or ashamed in public. Many people live in terror of that. And it's amazing how far some of us will go in order to avoid even the possibility of that happening. But can I suggest to us this morning that perhaps the worst thing that could happen to you and me is to remain exactly like we are for the rest of our lives. To cease to grow in God. To cease to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, 
to remain exactly the way you are. When I say that, I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about your weight, your age, your hairline. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your mind, your character. I'm talking about your spirit, your soul. Church, we are meant to grow. When we are born again, the idea is that we begin growing up. And the worst thing that can actually happen to us is to stop growing, to stop changing ever more into the likeness of our Savior. And as Paul finishes his letter to the Thessalonians, he warns them very specifically about putting God in a box. And we're going to touch on that this morning. Let let me begin by asking you, have you done that? Have you put God in a box You have a piece, a portion of your life. You say, God, I'm glad you're here. Here's your boundaries. You operate here. The rest of this is my business. Or, God, I'm open to what you want to do in my life up to a limit, (laughs) up to this particular point, this particular spot. Lots of people have closed their minds, their hearts, to much of what the Bible teaches us about the activity of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is going to touch on that pointedly this morning. When Hall of Fame musician Ray Charles was a boy, he contracted a disease that blinded him. Now, to to most of us, that would seem like an awful tragedy. But Mr. Charles himself describes his blindness as the discovery of a whole new world to which he had previously been blind to which he had previously been indifferent, and that is the world of sound. He says it was always there, but like most sighted people, we don't pay attention to it. He said, when I became blind, I discovered that it was there. He says, I had never really listened to a cricket before. That didn't happen until I was blind. I'd never listened to the water in a lake He said, that happened when I became blind. He said, I had never really listened to the wild and varied symphony of songs that God has given birds to sing until I became blind. He said, many people think that my blindness was the loss of something. He said, it actually feels to me like I gained something. Wow. And in the same way, God invites us to open our lives to his living and active Holy Spirit in our midst. So let me say again, when was the last time you let God out of your box? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 12, as he gets ready to finish his letter to the Thessalonians. Here's what he says. He says, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work, and live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, to warn those who are idle, to encourage the timid, to help the weak, and to be patient with everyone. And make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, 
For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So Paul says that. We're going to get to the part about the Holy Spirit in just a moment. But as he finishes his first letter to the church at Thessalonica, Paul speaks as the head of a family. We've talked about this throughout the series. God intends that we should see each other as Christians, not merely as a crowd that gathers at a local franchise, but as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of God. We are to see each other as family. And he reminds us of that in this moment. And then he says something very specific. He says, help your pastors lead. (laughs) Respect them, love them. I I hope that you will understand that when I remind us that this is God's will, I'm not trying to be self-serving. MRCC has always treated me, us, as a leadership team with great kindness and respect. Rhonda and me and our whole team are blessed and humbled to serve you, and you are incredibly good to us. So my point in calling our attention to this is only to help us hear what God is reminding us of. The Spirit of God says this to us as a family. Catch this, friends, because He knows that leadership is hard. Leadership is hard. Can can I confess that to you, all right? That this last year has been very difficult because when you're a leader, you're not just looking for what you want or what you think should happen or even what's right, quote unquote. You're trying to keep the family together. You're trying to keep the family in one heart, in one spirit. Knowing that that is a pastor's heart, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, besides all the persecutions that I face, he says, "I I carry the burden of my concern for all the churches. Leadership is hard. Most people who've never been a leader, who would never dare to be a leader, feel very comfortable saying, ah, the leader failed in this way, they don't know this, they don't know that, they should have done this. And my response is always, can you tell me what you've ever led? Because leading is hard. And so God says, be aware of that. Be aware that the leader of a family isn't just trying to solve problems. He or she is trying to lead the family in love and unity and togetherness. And so Paul says, be careful with your pastors in that way. When I was in the military, I learned the value of submission to leadership because the alternative is chaos and madness. I learned that it's always better to have somebody in charge, even if that somebody isn't the greatest, than to have nobody in charge. And I love to tell the story about the the afternoon. Here I am in in the Marine Corps infantry, and my lieutenant calls me in from the next room. Lieutenant Beeman, he was our new uh, uh, officer, our new uh, uh, platoon commander. And he called me in from the next room. Corporal Dalton, come in here, please. And I'm like, okay, something important. And I came in, and he's standing on one side of his desk, and he's pointing at the other, and he says, kill that spider, would you? (laughs) I remember standing there going, are you kidding kill that spider and he's like yeah kill that spider would you i'm thinking i'm supposed to follow you into combat (laughs) you know you're afraid of the spider on your windowsill i remember going over there and squishing the spider and throwing it in the garbage can and going out and sitting at my desk and going okay let's remember leadership has a purpose and you know it's not the greatness of the leader it's the structure and the whole thing god is saying something like that here and it's important to understand there are no perfect leaders somebody say amen And that's why we must choose to help our leaders by cooperating with them, even when we we sometimes think they're not worthy of it, and even sometimes when we disagree with them. You know, it's stunning to me that in Matthew chapter 23, right before Jesus just just let go on the Pharisees, right before he, he pointed out all their hypocrisies and errors and mistakes, right before that he said, 
But they sit in Moses' seat. So when you go to the temple, show respect and honor and obedience to them. Then he lays into them. I think that's amazing. That Jesus attended synagogue every week knowing that very often the one leading synagogue was, was not ideal. And in the same way, God calls us to that kind of lifestyle. And as believers, that's what we choose to do. And then he goes on. Look what he says. He says, warn those who are idle. He starts to speak like a mom or a dad, like you would to your kids. He says, warn those who are idle. The tendency of the sinful nature is to look for excuses to avoid work. That's just the tendency of the sinful nature. But God, the Bible teaches, gave us work as a blessing. Now, even in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a job. It was to tend that garden in God's name. And there's a reason for that. You see, church, our capacity for joy will always be greater when we're working, when we're serving, when we're contributing to the whole. This is crucial to understand. In 2 Thessalonians, when Paul writes to the Thessalonians again, in chapter 3, verse 10, he's going to say this, when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat strong language, but it's coming from a father's heart. It's coming from a parent's spirit, knowing that the best thing for the child is to have the, the self-esteem, the self-regard that grows out of being committed to serving, to working. Now, there's always exceptions due to health and so on, so we're not dumb, but understand where God's heart is in this. Those are strong words, but they are father-hearted. Love knows that we can't feel significance without contributing. And I always remember when I think about this, I always remember when Isaiah was about two and a half years old, we lived in Idaho, and, and actually that we had just gotten to that tiny little church to begin to serve it, and part of our pay was that they gave us two cords of wood so that we could operate the fireplace and be heated through the winter. And when that wood was delivered, we had to haul it and stack it, and Isaiah at two and a half insisted on helping. <laughs> you know, we got pictures of him carrying his one piece of wood and putting it on the stack, you know, and then mom replacing it, and then we do it again, we do it again. It took us about three times as long to unload the wood with him than it did without him but he needed it he needed it and when mom tried to say you know what that's enough let's move it he got upset and he started crying no he wanted to contribute that's the way we're made and so Paul says hey warn those who are idle that God's best plan for you for us is to find somewhere to contribute to work to serve and then he says, encourage the timid. The word means those who are of small courage, who live in fear, who don't have a strong identity like we sang about in worship this morning. A church is meant to be a place where people can grow, where they can move from being timid to becoming bold. And that can only happen when we make space for people to grow. You know, when you have a baby or a child in your home, you arrange the house to accommodate their weaknesses and their frailties. You put little plugs in the sockets. You move breakable stuff to higher shelves. You make all sorts of allowances for messes and understanding. God wants us to behave like that in his church, to make space for each other to grow up. I love what Will Rogers says. He says, nobody becomes old and wise without first being young and dumb. It's just part of the process. And Paul says, encourage the timid. Give those folks space and time to grow. Some of us have been walking with Christ for so long that we take so many things for granted and we forget that once upon a time we had to learn all that stuff. And the true proof that you are mature is when you're comfortable making space for those who aren't yet. And so Paul says, encourage the timid. God wants his church to be a place where people have time and space to grow. Then he says, he says, help the weak. Help those who are struggling, 
who are weak in body, who are weak in spirit, who are weak in mind. Help them. Be constantly aware of them. Solicit uh, the, the opportunity to serve them, to help them along. I, I love what Margaret Mead, the great anthropologist, said when she was asked what, in her opinion, was the first sign of civilization. Now, understand that, that Dr. Mead had spent a lifetime studying ancient cultures, digging up bones, rummaging through grave sites, exploring ancient culture we're talking prehistoric stuff and she was asked she says what in your opinion was the first sign that civilization was beginning to emerge she gave a great answer she said one time i found a healed femur in a gravesite now femur is that big bone in your leg when that breaks you can't do anything you can't stand you can't walk you can't move she said well, we found a healed femur and the reporter was like well, i don't understand she said, no, no, you have to realize that in order for that person to survive, somebody else had to do all their, all their hunting, all their gathering, all their feeding, all their caring for them. Somebody had to literally take that person as a project and care for them. Yeah, and in the same way, God says, be a people who do that kind of thing. Help the weak. And then he says, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. In other words, be a people of grace. I remember years ago, a, a, an older man in the church that I was pastoring at the time um, said, Pastor, I really need to talk to you. And I said, okay, great. Yeah, that's what I do. Let's put something on the calendar and let's get together. So we did. And the older man came into my office and, and he obviously had something incredibly heavy on his heart. And he wanted to share that with me. And so I'm all ears and I want to be there for him. I'm his brother. And he, as he began to share what was heavy on his heart, here's what he said. He said, you know... In 1970, me and so-and-so, another guy in the church, we took a drive down to Arizona and we were seeing the sights and we had a great time. And on our trip, he borrowed $25 from me and he still hasn't paid me back. People, it was the 21st century when he told me that. Wow. Look how we can be at our worst. I wonder who needs you to say, you know what, I'm not going to pay back wrong for wrong. Whether it was unintentional, whether it was intentional, I'm just going to let that go. I'm just going to be over that. The Bible says, forgive as you have been forgiven, and that is a dramatic thing to say. And each of us is called to live like that. The Bible says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Do you? Love doesn't. Love just lets it go. And then Paul says this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. This is where we started. Listen to what he says. He says, hey gang. I added that. That's not in there. He says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And then to, to emphasize what he's saying, he says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. In other words, let the living God be active in you and among you. Don't reduce Him to just a book that you listen to periodically. That is certainly central to what God does in our lives, but there is more. Can, can I just ask you this morning, when was the last time you allowed yourself to experience God in a supernatural way? 
For many people, it's been a long time. When, when, when we go camping, our family grew up, Ron and I and Isaiah, loving to go camping. And, and of course, everybody's favorite part of camping, for the most part, I think, is that campfire at the end of the day. You build the fire, you get your lawn chairs around it, you have your s'mores, whatever you're going to do, and you sit together and you talk long into the evening. And You know, the reality is that that fire is a dangerous thing. <laughs> Right? It can, it can get out of control. It can it threaten your campsite if you don't pay attention to covering it up at the end of the night. We all understand that. But at the same time, that fire provides heat and light. And what would that moment be like without the fire? Paul says in the same way, don't subtract the supernatural reality of the Holy Spirit from your Christian life. If you feel cold and dark spiritually, maybe it's because you've put out the fire. Paul says don't do that. And he mentions prophecies, for example, just as an example of what he's talking about. He says don't treat prophecies with contempt. Now, friends, when we read the word prophecy in the Bible, most of the time it refers to preaching, the speaking forth of God's word. Sometimes it also refers to predictions and and supernatural revelations. And all of those things are meant in this moment. And Paul says, don't, don't say that doesn't happen. Don't treat that reality with contempt. He said, open your heart to those things because the Holy Spirit is alive and well among us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bible describes lots of other gifts, supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Things like speaking in tongues, imparting spiritual insight through words of wisdom and knowledge, gifts of strong faith to believe when it's challenging, gifts of healing. And then Paul even just throws a carte blanche out there. He says, some have the gift of miraculous powers. God says, be open to those things. He says to the church at Thessalonica, hey, don't don't just subtract that from your set of possibilities. Be open to those things. These things are real. Huge sections of your Bible are devoted to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, most pointedly, but there's lots of references. And in that passage, Paul says this, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. He's talking about supernatural reality. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, God gives these gifts for the health and blessing of the church as a whole. The Bible, however, goes on to say that we can choose to close ourselves off to those things. We can say, no, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to let that happen. The Bible says at the end of that discussion in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians that the spirit of the prophet, prophecies, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophet. That can be good in the sense that it helps us remain orderly. It can also be bad in the sense that we can quench the reality of the Spirit within us. Now, I remember a camping trip when Isaiah was a little boy, one of these trips we were just talking about, and he got in trouble. He got in trouble, and, and he was mad about it, so he came and sat in the campfire because he didn't have an option to be anywhere else, but he refused to have a s'more because <laughs> somehow he was hurting us by starving himself. You know, <laughs> I'm mad, so I'm not going to... Some of us can be like that with God. We say, God, I'm just not... I, I don't want that. <laughs> I'm not going to let that flow through me. Paul says, be careful about that. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. We sometimes say to God, God, I've got this box I'm putting you in. I don't want you to come out of it. But the truth is that God is a living God who moves through all the normal graces of worship and prayer and preaching and serving, but who also works in supernatural ways sometimes. And we are taught to be open to those things. Listen, friends, you know me as a serious handler of God's word. I go to great lengths and pains to treat scripture with the reverence and respect that it deserves. It is the living God, the word of the living God. But I am also someone who encounters God in strange and miraculous ways. 
I pray in tongues regularly. Sometimes I share a message in tongues with someone. It's happened in our congregational services. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that these things are real. And God wants us to not say that can never happen in my reality. Instead, he says, hey, be open to these things. You know, it's amazing to me. You Talk about the hand of providence. This week, as I was getting ready to preach this message, over the course of this week, three different people in our church, people that uh, you would not expect to call me for the reason they called me, but three different people in our church, out of the blue, one on Monday, one on Thursday, one last night, called me out of the blue and said, Pastor Greg, it happened. I said, what? They said, I finally spoke in tongues. I prayed in tongues today. It was amazing. One woman said, I prayed for two hours. I didn't know what happened like that. Another person said, I was driving on I-5, and all of a sudden, this thing happened. And we had been talking about these things. They had asked questions about these things. And I thought, God, how perfect of you to bring that to our attention this week when I'm going to be talking about these things. Friends, God wants you to know that he doesn't fit in your box. He's bigger than that. And that's what the supernatural gifts are all about. Can I tell you a quick story, a personal story? One time I was driving from Idaho to Washington, and I had gone down on I-90 on this particular occasion. I had to go through Portland. And uh, I'm driving through down I-90, and it was, a, it was a, a, a challenging time in my spiritual life. We were pastoring a church in Idaho, and I was processing some stuff. And so as I'm driving on this long drive, I just felt like suddenly I heard the Holy Spirit say, pull off to the side of the freeway. I want you to climb that gorge wall right there. I thought to myself, you know, God, i got a schedule to keep But I also knew that, you know what? God's word is filled with moments like that that he has with people. And I talked to myself about it, and I said, well, okay, God, if that's what you want. So I pulled over to the side of the road, climbed over the barbed wire fence, started hiking up the side of the gorge. You've been there, the Columbia Gorge. It's kind of on the east side, so it's pretty hot and dusty. I get like a third of the way up the hillside. I don't know why I'm doing this, other than the fact that I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to. And then I heard him say something I didn't expect. He said, take off your shoes. I thought, well, that's weird. You know, it's kind of rocky out here. Why would I take off my shoes? But then I'm thinking of Moses taking off his shoes. I'm thinking of other people who've encountered. So I said, okay, I'll take off my shoes. So I took my shoes off and tied them up, and I kept climbing the gorge barefoot. Now, one of two things is true at this point. I'm nuts. (laughs) Or God's moving outside my box. And so I kept climbing. (laughs) I I still don't know why. But I'm talking to God. I'm going, wow, God, why are we doing this? And yeah, there's stuff we're dealing with and going through and yada, yada. And finally, I got all the way up to the top of the gorge and I sat down on a rocky outcrop and I could, I could see forever across the, the, the flat plains of eastern Oregon and then uh, 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 across the plains of, of, uh, of eastern Washington. I could see forever. And I sat there under this enormous sky and I just started praying to God in tongues and in my regular English. And I must have sat there for 45 minutes. And I knew that something happened to me when I was sitting there because suddenly there was a a piece that passes understanding about all the issues we were dealing with, about all the stuff that was going on. There was an intense awareness of God's presence. And so I climbed back down the mountain to my car and went on with my drive. I uh, had a little problem on the way back in that I couldn't remember where I dropped my shoes. So I drove to Portland barefoot at that point, but... But gang, that was God. And it didn't fit into a box. It didn't fit into my preconceptions. It didn't fit into what I would have expected. 
But why should we think that a living God would always do what we expect? Now, he's not going to call you to participate in human trafficking or deal drugs, okay? It's not like that. But would you allow yourself to be interrupted in that way? Paul says, hey, Thessalonians, be sure you don't put out the Spirit's fire. Be sure you don't treat prophecies with contempt. You know, the Bible teaches us that these things are real. And the point is, are we open to them? The fire of God's Spirit is meant to warm your soul and light your way. But we must be willing to sit with it in order to experience it. Over in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul finishes his discussion of these things by saying this, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. And everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Because that's how the Holy Spirit is. It's a great story. Let me ask you again, is your life open to God getting out of your box? As soon as the apostle reminds us to keep the fire from going out, though, he says, and here's where we finish, look at verse 21, he says, but test everything and hold on to the good. In other words, when all this stuff happens, test it. Be sure that you say, does this line up with God's word? Well, you know, if, if, if you think God, I remember a man who came to me when I was a brand new pastor. I must have been six months in the pulpit. The man came to me and said, Pastor Greg, I'm so excited. God called me to the mission field. I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yes, I feel called to Russia to preach the gospel in Russia. This was back in the early 90s. He, he says, I'm like, yay, that's wow. And he, tell me about it. And he said, and he told me that I have to divorce my wife and get rid of my kids in order to do this. I said, no, bro, that's you. That's not God. You, you didn't hear from God. Sorry. That's not his word. That's not his will. So when this Bible talks about testing everything, does this line up with what God is saying in his word? But lots of stuff that you wouldn't expect falls into that category. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, hey, don't put out the Spirit's fire. You can't test something that isn't happening <laughs> So, dear friends, please listen. Don't deafen yourself to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is working from within you, acting through you, speaking to you, teaching you. He prompts you. He's there if you will listen. He doesn't blabber 24-7 like some network news anchor, but he does speak. Jesus put it this way. We're almost done. He said, the world can't accept him because it doesn't see him. But you know him because he lives in you and will be in you. See, this reality is what God wants us to be open to. And how do we do that? How do we open our lives to the Spirit's fire? Well, first of all, understand this. Anybody who has received Jesus as their Savior is full of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about whether the Holy Spirit is in you or not. We're talking about whether you're willing to receive the gifts that he offers. That's what we're talking about. How do we do that? Let's finish in our last five minutes. If you're taking notes, write these down. Four things. Number one, read your Bible with a pen and a highlighter. <laughs> Just read your Bible with something to write on so that you can circle things, so you can underline things, so that you can feel the prompts of the Holy Spirit and allow them to enter into your experience. Jesus, describing the Holy Spirit, said this, John chapter 16, verse 14, he said, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. In other words, he's going to point out what Jesus is saying. And he's going to do that to you regularly. You've had a verse leap off the page at you. Yeah, allow that to happen on a regular basis. Number two, eagerly desire 
spiritual gifts. All three of the people that called me this week had come to me and asked about this issue before, and I said, hey, this is real, it's in your Bible, yada, yada, yada. But all that Jesus ever says to do is to wait on God for those gifts. And who knows how long it'll be, but wait on him. Say, God, I'm open. God, I'm willing. God, I'm here. God, these gifts, my heart is open to your, your word and what it says about such things. Follow the way of love, Paul says, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Keep, keep that box open. Don't resist the reality, but wait on God. So that's the second thing. The third thing is this, is to pay attention to that still, small voice in your heart. The one that said to me, climb the side of the gorge. <laughs> pay attention to that still, small voice. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He works from the inside out. That's how he functions. And then the last one is to deliberately ask God for more of him. Don't define it. Don't give him a shopping list. (laughs) Just say, God, I want more of you. I want to experience you more in my relationships, in my work, in my worship, in my serving, in in my leisure time. God, I want to experience you more. The Bible gives us a beautiful promise about this new covenant in which we live, this New Testament time that we're living. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, God says this, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In other words, God will bop a pastor on the head as he drives down I-90 and invite him to climb the side of the gorge and a million other things in all of our lives. Let me finish with a story this morning. I've shared it before. When I was a youth pastor in Lacey, uh, our youth group really kind of blew up. It was a big deal in town. It was kind of the place to be. We had a lot of people coming who weren't really Christians. They were coming because it was a popular place to be. One of them was a young lady who was a cheerleader. Uh, I'll call her um, Wendy, not her name. And uh, Wendy would come, and you you could tell she was just there to see and be seen, and And this went on for a couple of years, and then I left uh, and went on to pastor, and yada, yada, years go by. About 12, 14 years later, I'm serving at a church. I get a call on the phone in my office, and it's Wendy, again, not her name. And and Wendy says, is this Pastor Greg? I said, yeah. She says, is this Pastor Greg who uh, was the youth pastor in Lacey, Washington at North Thurston Life Center, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, it's me. It's me. She says, well, hi, this is Wendy. I don't know if you remember me. I said, oh, yeah, Wendy, I remember you. She said, well, I just want to tell you a story to encourage you. She said, I don't know if you know, but when I was coming to youth group, I wasn't really following Jesus. Duh. Yeah, I could tell. All right, okay. Yeah, I get you. She said, and then after you left, she said, I I, I wasn't coming anymore for a long time. And she said, my life took a real dark turn. She said, I married a guy who was an alcoholic. We got pregnant. He started beating me. He said, it became an every weekend thing. He would get drunk and beat me. She said, I didn't know what to do. I was at my wit's end. I had a little baby. She said, one Saturday night when it happened again, I had dropped her off at Grandma's house, and I was home alone, and he was out drinking. And She said, I sat on my kitchen floor. I had a butcher knife in my hand, and I was ready to slip my wrist and kill myself. So I was done. I was at the end. How I got there so fast, she said, I couldn't even imagine. I'm in my 20s. She said, but as I sat there on the kitchen floor, ready to do it, sobbing, she said, I heard a voice speak to me. I said, yeah, I'm all in the story now. 
She said, I heard this voice say, don't do that. She said it was overwhelming. And she said, in, in that moment, tears streaming down my face, she said, I said, who is that? And the voice said, I'm the God that Pastor Greg preached. At that point, I'm sitting at my desk in my office, covered with goosebumps, like I am right now. <laughs> Every time I remember this story. She said, I, I remembered what you said, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. She said, I'm calling to tell you that, that we got everything worked out. My husband got saved. We're reconciled. Now we're helpers at our youth group at the church that we go to in Tumwater. And she said, I just wanted to encourage you. To this day, I am covered with goosebumps when a voice said to her, I'm the God that Pastor Greg preached. God wants to work like that in your life, in all of our lives. And so he says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't, oh, open your box. Say, God, I'm open to what you got. I'm open to, to being, experiencing more of you than I ever have. That's God's message for us this morning. Would you bow your heads close your eyes? God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge that is in it, the invitation to be open to your Holy Spirit. And friends, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're sitting here this morning and you know what Wendy was feeling, you're at the end of your rope, then right here and right now, God is seeking you. And you can say right now, Jesus, I receive you into my heart. Be my Savior. Change my life. Lead me. You can say that right now. And God, His Holy Spirit, will enter you in this moment. And everything we're talking about will begin to become real for you. That can happen right here, right now. God loves you. He seeks you. He desires you. Church, as a whole, let us, let us not put out the Spirit's fire. Let us throw our hearts open, Holy Spirit, to all that you have for us. We pray for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? It's good to be back in touch with each other's ugliness. Amen? Amen? As you're leaving today, say, man, I forgot how ugly you were to one of your brothers. It's a guy thing. All right? Maybe just the guys should do that, and it'll be good. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love Him. Have a great afternoon, church.